and welcome to my podcast, Harp on That String. I am your host, Dr. Kimberly Taylor, and with me today, I have Christopher Noel, the conductor of the Salem Orchestra. Welcome, Christopher. Thank you very much. You're welcome, and I'm hoping you're having a good time so far hanging out this afternoon. It's been wonderful. The salmon and the music playing and good. the rain and the sun, just amazing. <laughs> it's like it's like Oregon has not making a decision on what her weather pattern is for today. It's like, no, I can do a little bit of sun, a little bit of rain, some cloudy sky. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that the beauty of of Oregon? It really is. It's one of the prettiest things about here. It's the <laughs> indecisive weather. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> so, um, I have invited um, Christopher here today to talk to us about his life in music and what the um, joys and the challenges have been working as a performing artist and an artist and a creative person in today's world, which I think is becoming more significant in these times with COVID-19 and a lot of the arts um, not having much of an outlet right now except for things like this where we can start discussing and I think there's a lot of stories that need to be told and uh, and also the value of the arts for the individual and what it means it's more than a I personally feel that the arts are the thing that reason why you work there's a reason why you own a home there's a reason why you have children there's a reason why any of this is like otherwise why would you want to live if all you're going to do is get up go to work, come home, and watch TV. I mean, there's gotta be more to life than that. There's gotta be more of the human potential than that. And uh, yeah, so now I'm gonna blink because this is the first time I've done this and I'm okay. I'm gonna try to be natural, but I've never been natural a day in my life. So. Well, <laughs> you know, we're both experiencing this unique time mm -hmm. and and we're doing this for the first time. Yes. yes. And I think you're hitting on every important question. These are the notes uh, that need to be hit. I agree. And uh, I meant the musical pun. Yes. <laughs> so I see uh, clearly COVID is a big factor there are many other factors going on in the, in the world and in uh, the United States right now that are making things uh, unique in our time. At least in my lifetime, this is a this is a unique moment. What I've noticed is when the pandemic started, and we all tried our best to stay home everybody turned towards some sort of creativity. Yes. Something creative. Some people went towards gardening. Yes. Some people went towards music. Some people went towards reading books, writing books, writing poetry, uh, drawing. Making we, bread, we, which is a Making bread, exactly. <laughs> Finding different ways to be creative. Right. Learn a new recipe to cook. Yeah. Uh, and it was so telling to me as a person who has always grown up in the musical world. Uh, I started violin when I was four. 
four years old and evidently I was singing when I was you know two days old and somebody didn't tell you to stop you were allowed to sing I just I just yes. was singing I, me, too. me too and um and so that for me that seems so natural that creativity is important and that's why I teach it that's why I conduct it that's why I play it that's why I'm here today and it's it's really remarkable that when everything else had been stripped away from us everybody went towards a creative outlet exactly and that's been beautiful it's been beautiful to see i've been seeing friends that i didn't think did much with music teaching their children ukuleles and i see them posting their little boys with their little ukuleles and they look so happy and it's been a nurturing time for creativity because i know i've done all those things you've listed gardened baked bread practiced composed been getting some composition out of myself which i haven't in a long time and um writing you know i've actually started a writing project recently and I'm like hey i have time for this now yeah and it's funny in the slowdown of trying to make a living doing the arts it's kind of funny that it's been that what made my living stopping that's been allowing me to actually pursue what I want to do it's been very strengthening for me and uh, so there's been upsides of this definitely for for me I mean I went from not playing I had when I moved back from Louisiana I lived there for seven years and I moved back to the Salem area here in Salem Oregon I had tendonitis at month, both my arms. And so I didn't work for a couple of years. I had to overcome, you know, the um, injuries. And then it started up. I ended up starting getting gigs. And next thing you know, more and more gigs. And I'm running up and down I-5 with a harp and a stool, you know, sliding in with this orchestra, sliding in with that orchestra, doing the, that choir or whatever. And... I wasn't ready for it yet. So this has been a nice time for me to sit back and clean up the bits and pieces that got raggedy, trying to just just jump right back in and try to make, you know, some sort of income. So what yeah. bits and pieces got raggedy for you? Um, well, with the harp and orchestral playing, it's hard on our technique. It's actually hard because the playing is the music's never written very well. You're doing weird things all the time oh. that are not quite natural. And you play cold a lot. For instance, you've waited 30 minutes and now you have to play the Nutcracker Cadenza, which is lots of notes. Yeah, so it's, it takes a toll on you. And it's like also the pressure. It's like, okay, I've not played at all in this rehearsal. I've been sitting here for two hours and now I'm playing a very technical thing. And yeah, it can be it can be exhausting. It's funny, sitting can be more exhausting than sitting and playing. Yeah, so as a conductor, it's it's so nice to hear this because if you play the violin, which is my right. uh instrument that I started with, you play all the time and you start feeling exhausted by how much you're playing. How frequently you're asked to practice or rehearse 
those passages that aren't working. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is as a harpist, there are so many moments when you're just sitting there waiting for the violinists to practice, for the other parts of the ensemble to rehearse, and then you're you're called immediately to play it correctly after so much sitting on something that's really not well composed for your instrument. It's tricky. It's tricky. Yes, it's always tricky. There's true, there's some easy places. That's fun, and that's good. And I love doing it. That's just it, but it's tricky. It's tricky to sit, and you're counting. My, my fa- my, I spend a lot of time in rehearsal counting up to my entrance. And then they stop and go back and go over it again. I had, you know, I had a... I had a <laughs> so I get my entrance practiced. I, I had a teacher who once told me about this. This is a conducting teacher. And he said, you need to be very, very aware of not stopping right before somebody who counted for 64 measures comes in that happens all the time i mean that's my life that's yes. what i do that's that, exhausting yeah. it's exhausting because you're always counting under your breath trying to pay attention your attention spit split spit excuse me split in three places that's hard to split your attention in three places but the instrument requires that and yeah and, but yeah and when and and oftentimes what happens is the harp comes in at a moment in the music that as a composer or a conductor signifies a new sound and a new color. Exactly. And and so oftentimes we stop right before, as conductors, we stop right before that change and then we ask the orchestra to start at a moment in the middle of your 64 measures of rest. Oh, that's the worst. <laughs> and, and it's very difficult to understand where everybody's starting. Mm-hmm. Have you ever had a conductor do that and then um, you didn't know when you were supposed to come in and yes. you came in incorrectly? All the time, yeah, that happens. It, because they've gone so quickly or they picked where I have, you know, 30 bars rest. Mm-hmm. I love this 30 bars rest mixed meter and it doesn't tell you where they shift. That's fun. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's all part and parcel of the game. But really, I mean, this is our life. These are the small stressors. These are the things like, yeah, counting bars, counting measures, the same thing, bars and measures. Um, but there's this love of what we do that makes us do this. What compels us to do this? I'm compelled to do what I do. I, I can't do anything else. If I try if I try to say, okay, I'm gonna give up music and I'm gonna go do something else, I get nightmares. There is just there's no medication for me in that case. I can't do it. It's like psychologically ingrained in me. This is what I do. <laughs> this is who I am. You take it away, the person falls away. And I, I don't know um, what you're feeling. If, again, you've been in music since you were four, so violin at four, four-year-old. 
Is it your choice? It's, it's, Does a four-year-old have a choice? It's all I know, and I am told by my parents that I chose the violin. Uh-huh. And I, I trust my parents. I have no reason to not believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do wonder sometimes if when I was three years old or four years old, if I saw the Eugene Symphony, I'm from Eugene, Oregon. If I saw that symphony and the violins were the front of the stage and I was very interested in what they were doing. <laughs> and as a three or four year old when uh, I told my parents, I want to do that. Because certainly at that age, I didn't have a real understanding of all of the instruments. Right. Um, and now as a conductor... You actually are doing what you saw. I, I, yeah. I, I, I have an understanding of a lot of instruments. I also find it very fascinating. I don't know how much you've thought about this, Kimberly, but the lives of musicians in the orchestra are so different. Yes polar opposites sometimes uh, if you play the percussion you count a lot and rarely get complimented you, that's true you get you get scolded if you're wrong right but there's there's not much time in rehearsals for compliments i think it was in a conversation you and i had earlier like you know you spend so much time on a passage well with each passing minute it's another three hundred dollars so there's no time there's only time to fix there's to, not time to, to pat on there's not time to hold hands that that is correct so if you play uh the symbols you may have those 123 measures of rest before you have a, a crash cymbal strike. Right. And, and if you get that if wrong, you do it's... that wrong by one measure, you will be notified. Yes. You're not going to get a compliment on that. You're not if going it's to correct, be... yeah. you're going to be ignored. It's just expected that you do that correct. I think being ignored in a rehearsal is probably the best sign that I have done my job right. Either I'm doing such a poor job that I have been chosen to not even be part of the problem, or I'm doing such a good job that there is no problem. So either way, I just sit back with it and do the best I can. But you know, if you've said something, sometimes you do need that help though. You need that help with that entrance. You need that help with that passage and what is happening. And so you do have to sometimes take up rehearsal time. But, uh, yeah, the biggest compliment is to not be have anything said to you. Except for after rehearsal when someone pats you on the shoulder and says, good job. That's fine, you know. Or, or, or get, um, I, last, last concert I played, I got pulled into a bear hug. So, you know, that was, that was nice, too. It's like, okay, I obviously did okay. I didn't think I did okay, but bear hugs usually means okay. And, and that, <laughs> that feels... Uh, really welcome and positive for you when that happens. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that would no. It was fine. It, exactly. It was like okay. Yes. We... Uh, when I think of some other 
instruments. Uh, a violin is my instrument, but oboe uh-huh. has a lot of solos. I know, trumpet and their instruments has a lot of solos. so tricky, and a trumpet, yeah. Oftentimes in rehearsals, when they have that solo part, they get complimented for doing it well. It it happens. In the back section, uh, the the brass section, uh-huh. or the back of the orchestra, when a horn player or a trumpet player or a trombone player has a solo and they play it well, many orchestras I've been in, all the brass players put their feet up their their toes up off the ground as to not make a sound but to give them an active appreciation for the solo they just did it's a supportive thing thing that they do because they got a solo and everybody on that brass team is rooting for their brass team yeah with the woodwinds they're very close together They talk a little bit more during rehearsal, like, that was good, maybe try this, do it this way, that was fantastic, oh, I love your sound, how can we be in tune? They talk to each other, they're very close to each other, Uh, so in rehearsals, they give feedback. Uh, And the violins? Strings strings are very different, because you have your string sectional leaders. Right, yeah. Who tells... The other people, what needs to happen? There's a strict hierarchy there. There, uh, there is and there isn't. It's it's it depends mm. on the group, depends on the leadership, but there is definitely a group feel mm-hmm. section. So each of the brass woodwinds and string sections have a family feel. They have their own. It's nice being part to, of a section. To, to communicate. Mm-hmm. Whereas um, I th- the harp is a very different thing, in my opinion. Who is in your family? Uh, please teach me. Who, who, who looks to you when you did something well? Um, honestly, as I think as a harpist, the people that you interact with the most are usually the pianist. Or, and the conductor. So you'll often end up knowing the pianist and the conductor better than you will anybody else in the orchestra. Um, the, another harpist with you may or may not interact with you in a positive way. You don't know. Um, and, uh, but I do. I know I do. When I have a section and I have another player, I'm like totally like, you know, mother hen. You know, I, I want us to play together. It's so much fun. You know, because normally you don't do that unless you belong to a harp ensemble, which is its own rare bird. And uh, so that's um, that's actually where I got a lot of my ensemble playing skills from, was doing a lot of harp ensemble when I was in college. And because you learn to play with people that way. Because normally we're just waiting for, you know, 50 bars and playing glissando. And is, then nursing the blister the rest of the show. <laughs> is there competition in the harp community? Oh, yeah. Yes. Let's just stay yes. Let's just say yes. Okay. <laughs> I think that's true, though, of... I think there's a certain cutthroatness that was that was happening. 
um, in the industry and across all of the instruments because there were a lot of people graduating and very few jobs. So I can just imagine, you know, you know to, I know that having, having a harp audition, even for a small orchestra, will bring, up, will bring people around from around the world, you know, or at least around the States. And that they can get some really heavy hitters in there that are doing this for the experience. I've experienced more than once young harpists coming in and just nailing auditions, but then actually not playing any orchestra concerts. Then all of a sudden they're too busy doing other things because they were doing it for the experience to build their resume. And then they don't actually commit to the concerts. So, which is kind of rude. I think it's rude. Is there appreciation for each other that yes uh, there's a lot there's a great i mean there's a, a lot of beautiful 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 people and you know in, in any instrument but then there's of course your few sour apples sure yeah yeah uh, i suppose as a, a a violinist i'm i'm regularly a section player uh -huh. or i'm playing in a string quartet or quintet or octet right uh, I, i'm i'm playing in an ensemble of sorts yeah um and and i i appreciate what they can do because i know how hard it is to do it yes yes uh and yet for for me as a violinist I do not have to be the only violinist in an orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, so the competition is different. It would be. Uh, um, so I appreciate the, the great violinists or cellists or violists or bassists so much. As a conductor, I appreciate mm -hmm. great musicians. That's mm -hmm. why I wanted to do that. And, and as a conductor, it's maybe more similar to harp mm -hmm. yeah actually where where i see i see other conductors and i appreciate what they can do or i get really offended by what they can't do is that similar with yes the harp? yes i would say that has a lot to do with it but mm -hmm. i think the best thing that you can do is put your ego aside when you do this work and realize that it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about your part. It's not about being heard. Cause a lot of, I know a lot of students were like, Oh, you know, I played that whole concert and no one ever heard me. It doesn't matter. They did. You were part of a texture. You're part of a larger organism here, but anything that we do, anytime we interact with each other as musicians, setting aside our personal ego so that we can communicate, and say and make the music better is usually the best bet and you know just and if you you know yeah sometimes it means you have to say oh I need to practice that part and that's okay if there's time to practice it if it's if, if there hasn't been time to practice it yeah you got a problem but <laughs> that's another story <laughs> so what would you how would you advise young people who have found interest in the harp the way that you did uh, and obviously became 
a fantastic harpist. Well, thank you. What would you tell them about the experience and how to, why you love it so much and why it's such a unique and, and inspiring instrument? Okay, if you tell me why you love about the violin and the conducting, I will tell you why I love the, the harp. Well, the harp, I love it for its beauty. It's extraordinarily complicated and simple at the same time. And um, I think that that variable, that, that uh, ever so slightly, I don't know, there's something very little off-center about it, about if its approach. It's, it's not as, a, you know, it's not like the keyboard where you just, I don't know, it seems like it's a uh, more of a, you know, a direct prescription for how to play the keyboard. The harp is a little, has a lot more subtle variants in it, even at a very, very early stage. Um, this combination of pedals and strings and music and, and the different styles, you can play any style on it. Um, and can, can you slow down and pedals and can you yeah. tell me a little bit more about the pedals and the strings? Well, okay. I mean, bit? honestly, if you want to know more about harps per se, <laughs> I'm not sure this is what this podcast are for. There's lots of podcasts out there explaining the history of the harp and, and all of that. And I'm just talk about the harp because it's what I do. I'm a professional harpist and um, just like Christopher's professional conductor given my life to it and I compose and I and I by the way flirt with other instruments this is it's just I'm just saying I flirt with other instruments and uh, the harp's okay with that she's tired (laughs) 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 you know she's tired she's seen a lot she's done it I've done all the things I don't know what else I'm going to do with it (laughs) but um yeah, so it's it's more like it's like how do you ask somebody why how do you feel about why why do you love your mother? You know, it's like I've done this my whole life. Yeah. I don't know what life is without it. I really don't. So it's been the most significant relationship of my life. So that yeah. is beautiful. Well, I don't know. A lot of people are saying, you know, a lot of I've heard more more than one harpist being described as being married to the harp. I even heard a story once about a harpist who, um, who was who was married, and her husband got a post somewhere else, wanted her to go with him, and she wouldn't leave. She says because it's easier to find a man than an orchestral post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> absolutely true. Uh, so yeah, why is the love of the the love of the podium? Well, the directing. I would. I think you asked for me to talk about violin and mm-hmm. conducting, and I would like to start with violin because the violin leads to the violin tends my, to lead to my love. To of conducting Mm -hmm. um i love violin much like how you talked about the harp i started when i was four so i don't know much besides violin i have very few if any memories before i started playing the violin Mm -hmm. um 
anything that I remember before four years old is is just a, a glimpse. Right. Which is perfectly it's normal. It's just an <laughs> I- image of mm-hmm. something. And it, then there's a violin in my hands. And that's what I'm doing every day. Do you still practice every day? No. Yay. I'm <laughs> not the only one. <laughs> I do not practice the violin any every day because, uh, as I said, I, I, I started becoming a conductor and an educator. I practice when when there's something I need to practice for. Mm-hmm. And I play more days than I don't. Playing and practicing are very different things. They are, yes. Uh, so I, I will get my instrument out more days than I don't and play. But practicing is a different thing. Anyway, I, I thought about how my love of the violin developed. And honestly, I was too young to really understand. But looking back on it, there's a pride in the instrument. Mm. Every instrument has its own challenges, its own difficulties, its own yeah. Uh, struggles and perseverance that you have to well, have with it. Well, I don't know how it. you guys play those things. I mean, I, uh, I have tried to play the violin. It's so sad. <laughs> it's how Perlman once said about the violin versus the piano. That when you are a kid and you play the piano, mm-hmm. the first sound you make is a good sound. Yes. Because you just push that button, mm-hmm. and it's a fine sound. Mm-hmm. That's similar with a lot of instruments. The <gasps> violin, no, it can take three to four years before you make one sound that's okay. That that is acceptable to to the world to your parents i thank my parents for listening not just Bless listening their but also encouraging Bless me to continue to do this parents and siblings and um roommates and uh significant others in our lives that have sat through all the hours of and learning, because guess what? None of us come out sounding good. No, and I mean, true, the harp makes a pretty clinking sound, even if you play it badly. I know that. Um, but at the same time, when you know what it can sound like, it's an entirely different story of what you know what you're hearing. So, true. I mean, I can only imagine a beginning oboe. Bless their hearts. You know, just just reeds alone mystify me. It's like, you know, they, what they have to deal with. I, I'm more of a string player. Even when I dabble, I dabble in other string instruments. Yeah. yeah so it's like... But, so uh, there's an honor to each instrument. There's an honor and a pride to having figured out how to make a decent sound. And there's an honor and a pride to figuring out the technical things of that instrument. That um, 
that takes forever. It takes so much dedication, continued perseverance to get there. Uh-huh. Which leads me to conducting. What, what gives me the most joy and the most pleasure and honor is to be a facilitator of so many people who have put in those hours, put in that dedication, put in their work, put in their passion, their love, had their performance that made them really nervous and then got ice cream afterwards and then w- went on and had a fail- failed performance where they cried afterwards, had lessons where they cried, had lessons where they felt great. All the things that it takes to become good. Oh, there's a lot of crying. At, oh, there's a lot of crying. Oh, uh, I remember one week, <laughs> when, I whole harp studio, I swear, every single one of them cried in the same week. And I'm like, what is happening to these poor girls? Because they're usually girls, and I understand. But, oh my goodness, they all cried, and none of it was harp-related. None of it. It was other stuff going on in their lives, and they felt like they could come into their music lesson and be vulnerable which I thought was beautiful we bring that to our to our lessons we bring that to our studies people bring their whole selves to this to this art form we do you were talking about teaching I have not I can't count how many times I've cried in my lessons growing up Uh, I I honestly this doesn't make me feel good I can't count how many students I've taught who have cried in lessons. Right. I don't like and, it either. And, I do not and, like it that they cry. And I tell them, you have no idea how many times I've cried too. Yeah. What that says is you are caring. Yeah. You are, these are the struggles that allow you to be able to play really well. If you don't have an emotional range, how do you expect <laughs> to have an emotional range? <laughs> and so as a conductor, this is where I see... Mm-hmm. I I just have this uh, this gratitude um, for all the work that has gone on, whether you play the harp or the violin, whether you play the trumpet or the percussion, or the timpani or the cello or the oboe or the clarinet or the horn or the bassoon, saxophone, whatever instrument you play, in that group, you have shed tears to be there. Mm. You have worked hard Hard. to be there. Probably bled, too. I know. Yes, yes. Yes. You've made countless reads if you're an oboist or a bassoonist. Countless times. The amount of dedication it takes to get there, to be where you are in a, a symphony orchestra, is incredible it's and astounding investment of endeavor and so yeah. that's where as a conductor i want to facilitate and honor the work that each and every person in my orchestras have put forth to be able to do what they're doing and let them play together let them right let just help facilitate all this work that they've done to be able to just get it together. When it's, something big comes together and it 
really happens and you didn't <laughs> think you were going to land it as a group. And when it does happen, what a rush. It's amazing. Isn't it? I mean, it is just like, oh yeah, I want to do that again. Yeah. It can be like that. Yes. And it is, it is like that. It is like that. And that can be just, it, you will do it again. You will go through all of that work again, all the blood, sweat, and tears, facing your inner demons of how somebody said something naughty to you or not nasty to you behind stage or walking by you on stage or you heard something, overheard something in a hallway or something your mother said when you were three. All this pops in and you have to deal with it every single time you pick up your instrument and play. And to still go out there and do it every single time takes either you're insane or you have an enormous amount of courage and i think it's courage and just this need to do this yeah. and i i think you're right on i and and there is this feeling of do you ever get nervous before you play yes Yes. I I think there's there's an amount of endorphins there's an mm -hmm. an amount of something where that nervousness comes out and you know you're putting yourself out there. And you're you're not putting yourself out there quite the same way that sports does. I'm, I'm a sports fan. Mm -hmm. Sports has uh, is very competitive. Music is putting your soul out there. Your own... Well, you in... know, I think people put a lot of soul into their sport. I, yeah, I, I, I agree. Know, I agree. Yeah. I've heard some people call musicians small muscle athletes. There is a physical as well as mental... Um, burn that happens you know mental mental work actually takes more energy than physical work and so if you're doing both at the same time you're you know you are burning I mean I know that I have to have tuck you know energy bars in my in my music bag because it's gonna be too long and I'm gonna burn out and I'm gonna end up with you know low blood sugars by the time this rehearsals over or time the concerts over it's like you got to start off with a snack. And I see everybody doing it, too. It's so funny. You're like, you see all the little cliff bars come out of the cases and, and, uh, and or whatever they do, you know, or they run down to the Starbucks to get more coffee, mm -hmm. whatever they do. Everybody has their own way of dealing with it mm -hmm. and um, dealing with that nervousness, dealing with the, that anxiety. It's not a negative nervousness and anxiety. It's just your body is starting to pump those endorphins. You're going on a chemical journey. And uh, you're going to get out there and do it. Because once it happens, once that first note sounded, it all fades. And, and you're just there. You're just there. It's mm -hmm. like, okay. You know, if it, until that baton drops or until that first chord is sounded, if you're playing solo program, for instance, yeah, it's, I don't even, I don't want people around, I mean, it's not that I don't want people around me. I'm going to be crazy. I've learned to let myself be like mm -hmm. what the person I am. I tend to be a little off the wall before I move around a lot. I don't like to have to sit still and wait. So if I could be backstage wandering around, I'm much better. 
or talking to other people are much mm-hmm. better because that actually keeps me engaged and not in my own head, you know, mm-hmm. thinking about that weird thing that happened 10 years ago when that guy did that thing on the stage or, you know, yeah. And we all have those memories, don't mm-hmm, we? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, so, yeah. You know what I'd love to do? I'd love to play some music with you. Yay! Let's play some music. Can we do that? Yes. Okay. Let's see what this does. <laughs> we'll try. Uh. I feel the nerves happening right now. Oh, it's terrible. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's real. I think this is something people need to know. This doesn't go away. This no. is normal. This, this is This natural. is how this works. This is how it works. There's no this wonderful golden moment where it all just happens easily. It looks like that from the outside. Yeah. Yep. But inside, we are sharing our own souls. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a scary thing. But it's so beautiful. But I can't wait for the ice cream afterwards. Oh, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we're going to play some Summertime? Yes. Do you need an aid? Uh, I would love to hear it to make sure I'm still in tune. I'm playing the harp. It's either in tune or not. I gave up. Okay. How many strings do you have on your harp? Let me double check. Um, 47 today. 47 today. Yes. I didn't break any in the last hour. Good. And, And I have four on my violin, so... I'd have to tune to you if we were out of tune. Right. (laughs) Thank you. You ready? Yes.
was a pleasure cleaning with you. Pleasure indeed. Egoism will come That really. was a lot of fun. So much fun. Thank you, Gershwin, for that tune that has been part of our lives.